With Sound of Play, we bring you an eclectic fortnightly compilation mix of some of our favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the years. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this Sound of Play, it's Jay Taylor. How do? And Paddy Stardust, Paddy Smith of Twin Humanities. Good evening, hello. Hello and welcome. And that... We've just heard was your magnificent opening to the show, your first pick, um, and people will no doubt be uh, f- more probably more familiar with the English version. But uh, you managed to dig out the uh, the Japanese vocal for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this the first pick will surprise nobody that knows me very very well. Uh, I'm a massive, massive, massive Metal Gear fan uh, since since the PS1 days. Um, <laughs> my wife has bought me many, many, many cool Metal Gear Solid presents over the years. Uh, she's bought me t-shirts and foxhound patches for my bags and my coats, uh, yes. art books and things. Um, and most notably, uh, a six foot tall fiberglass statue of Snake from Metal Gear 3. Crikey. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty impressive and it scares the life out of anybody that comes to visit. Uh, it's currently sitting uh, guarding my reading room upstairs. And it's, uh, it's imposing. Uh... See, that's the sort of thing that, it, you know, this this is to make horrible generalizations, but normally uh, non-gaming partners, um, that's the sort of thing. Well, is, I don't know. Is she a non-gaming partner or, or a she, less? Uh, she is a gaming partner. She uh, We actually oh, okay. bonded over Time Splitters uh, and she's oh, actually sat behind enough, me play, playing Spyro the Dragon 3 as we talk. Oh, so. okay. So she's not a, yes, you see, if, I was going to say if she was a non-gaming partner, then to <laughs> to bring something like that into the, the, the abode is uh, would be would have been an unusual and incredibly altruistic move, but but if she's also a gamer, then it's still cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, God, I wonder Just, how much that was. It was it X uh, X display models or something? Yeah, I think it was from. Uh, well, she actually picked it up from someone who was who picked it up from an X display, uh, and it is now going for about four times the price we bought it for. Not that I'd ever sell it because it's not. I bet. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, that's amazing. But I've distracted you from the actual tale, so do continue. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Back on track. Uh, some of the things she also bought me were some of the soundtracks from the games, uh, which would have been the first actual CDs, uh, game soundtrack CDs that I ever ever actually acquired, uh, not having really delved in before. Uh, and she got me some of the standard ones for Metal Gear 1, 2 and 3. Uh, but she also found me a couple of strange ones, uh, one of them being a limited edition Japan-only disc uh, titled Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater The First Bite. Uh, this was one of a series of demo soundtracks they released. Uh, there are about four or five they released before the game uh, that would contain snippets off of the main soundtracks, uh, as well as two, one or two of the strange uh, healing radio sort of uh, surf boogie songs on the end. Oh as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they'd also come loaded up with special camouflages, which you could plug into your game uh, to get bonus camouflages uh, out of your disc. But it never worked. Uh, I tried many oh, times, but I could never get it not, out. But I think it must have been a Japan-only thing. Uh, uh, no, no, I, I will, uh, mine did work because I've got. The, I, I bought the soundtrack when we were in Tokyo once, and uh, and uh, yeah, the uh, the camouflage thing. It was in this. It's, it's in this fluorescent yellow cover. Oh wow! And and I did try the. I did actually use this camo in that, and it was. Yeah, it, it came over. It was fine. Because it worked with some discs and some <laughs> machines and not others. Yeah, it must have done. One of those temperamental I, things. Yeah. I tried for hours and I couldn't get that Aww. thing to work. And I was very upset. 
Um, I, I got over it though because Metal Gear Three was great. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, the, the track the track off chosen uh, is the final track off of uh, Snake Eater, the first bite, uh, and it was uh, still Snake Eater, uh, but not the version that we all know yeah. and love. Uh, I thought that would be too easy to pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is uh, a version credited still to Norihiko Hibino, uh, who composed most of the Metal Gear soundtracks uh, yeah. and performed not by Cynthia Harrell, uh, but instead no. by Akiko Wada. Yeah. Uh, who is a TV performer and singer from Osaka, uh, who doesn't have many other game credits to her name that I could find, although she does voice Bowser in the 1986 anime movie Super Mario Brothers Pichimi Kuyusu Daishasuken. I hope I haven't mangled that too much, uh, which translates to The Great Mission to Rescue Princess Peach. That is always the great mission. Um, yeah, that's for the, the exact <laughs> sort of uh, insider knowledge that we, we embrace on, on Kane and Rince. Yeah. Uh, wow. Fantastic stuff. Tremendous right? indeed. Mm, but the only, yeah. the only other fact, the only other gaming thing I could find her ever doing. Uh, but yeah. still, what, what a credit, eh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, And the arrangement you just listened to uh, takes yeah. the dramatic sort of spy movie Bond feel of the original track and has mm. turned it into a, a sort of jazzy, laid-back lounge effort. Uh, somewhat ethereal, a bit floaty in places, a little bit funky in others. Uh, and sometimes comes together to make a sound you don't really hear that often in game soundtracks. Mm. This mm. sort of laid-back jazz. Yes, uh, I believe the word we're looking for now is nice. Um, yeah excellent stuff indeed thanks for that we'll be back with your next selection in the middle of the podcast thank you and of course we covered all the metal gears from the very beginning uh on the msx in 1987 all the way up to uh sons of the patriots uh guns guns of the patriots even it's been a (laughs) while um and uh our metal gear solid three snake eater and subsistence podcast was back in uh, cana rinse 39 so do seek that out our first selection from the forum today is from one ben blaster uh, and this is one I hadn't heard for years, but uh, but often thought about. And I think we actually mentioned it when we had former Lionhead employee Glenn Watts on the podcast on Sound of Play a few Sound of Plays ago. Uh, but Ben Blaster says there are many popular tracks we all immediately think of in regards to classic video game tracks. However, the track I'd like to submit is one that has stuck with me for many years. And although I haven't played the game in nearly a decade, I can still hum this tune near pitch perfect. The Fable theme, composed by Danny Elfman and Russell Shaw, is a track that manages to encapsulate everything a fantasy RPG should be. It's haunting, grandiose and enchanting. The Fable series as a whole has been inconsistent in its quality, however the soundtrack never failed to pull me into the fantasy land of Albion.
Danny Elfman's one and only video game score, apart from possibly, you know, things that have ended up from Simpsons games and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> is that is that the only time Danny Elfman's been utilised in a video game? Do we know off the top of our heads? Ooh, absolutely no idea. Absolutely no idea. All right. No, no <laughs> worries at all. Sorry for putting you all on the spot. Uh, it just suddenly crossed my mind that because uh, um, what Glenn Watts was saying was uh, Mr. Flavio, it was that the, the although that theme was composed for the original Fable, um, it's been kind of used a bit less in each Fable game since, um, possibly due to the amount of money they have to pay to uh, the, you know, very successful Hollywood composer Danny Elfman every time they use it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, uh, that was that. I didn't play the anniversary Fable. Um, maybe someday. It's a series we've had requested for the podcast many, many times. Um, and it hasn't happened yet, but who knows? It could do. Jay, your first pick of this sound of play, please. Mm. Well, I'm going to go with uh, Freedom by David Housen from the game Thomas Was Alone. Not the Freedom uh, by Wham. God, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, never. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't really got a lot to say about this because it was a bit of a a last-minute kind of uh, choice, uh, I will admit. But um, and David Housen doesn't seem to have done much before this, right? Because he, according to the Wikipedia page, he came out of university and wanted to get into game audio and a friend of a friend of a friend kind of situation, and he got in touch with Mike Biffle, and there you go for the soundtrack of this game. Which, and it's 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 a strange one because like you often get with soundtracks where. The music doesn't stand out. You don't notice the music when you're playing. I think we've we've talked about this before on on past on, on one of the shows before where it when you're playing the game, I wasn't paying attention to the music per se because it was more about a listening to Danny Wallace narration or just trying to work out some of the the parts the heck of the puzzle to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I came across the soundtrack afterwards, and yeah, just you listen to it, and it's actually quite a pleasant score in, in itself. So, yeah. And it's quite often one, it's, I hate, it, it sounds almost dismissive, dismissive to say this, but it's really mm. good background music, which yeah. I suppose mm. is precisely the point of a, yeah. uh, of what it's meant to do. So. Well, I think, yes, especially in this case, because this game was always designed to have a voiceover, a, a constant mm. storytelling sort of commentary um you know by a name danny wallace you know not the most famous man in the world but a known name especially over here in in britain mm. um so yeah it absolutely makes sense that it's background music and i don't necessarily think that isn't a, a pejorative term because that's what it's designed to be but we're going to listen to it in isolation
Freedom uh, by Wham, not by Wham, by David Housen. Now, my first pick uh, is uh, inspired, definitely inspired by uh, by Twin Peaks, uh, almost as much as uh, as the game it's from. So this is, I think, this is the first track you hear when you boot up Deadly Premonition or Red Seeds Profile, if you're if you're Japanese. Um, and uh, the uh, three composers worked on the game, Ryu Kinagusa, Takuya Kobayashi, and Hiromi Mizutani. We have the usual problem where I'm afraid I don't know uh, which composers worked on which tracks or whether the, each one was a, uh, a collaboration, but uh, but obviously here they're channeling uh, Angelo Badalamenti. Um, and again, we, we were talking earlier about um, slightly ethereal stuff. This sets the tone, the frankly completely bizarre tone, because although as much as Deadly Premonition is inspired by uh, Twin Peaks, it very much has its own kind of weirdnesses. Anyone who's played it will know uh, exactly what we're talking about. And we covered this game uh, in issue 93 of the podcast, so do check that out. But probably not if you don't want it spoiled, because uh, there's a lot there's a lot goes on and there's a lot that's revealed uh, later in, in this, um, what is ostensibly a mystery, um, that you should enjoy uh, firsthand, hopefully. But uh, yeah, this is five years old now, um, and this track is named after the, the creepy town uh, the events take place in called Greenvale.
takes me right back. It takes me right back indeed. Um, I, yeah, I still don't know if I want to replay Deadly Premonition or if I want to have it as one of those utterly memorable experiences that you only have once. Um, I've played chunks of it again, but um, I don't know. It's a strange one. But I also, based on some of the people who completed it for the um, for the podcast, I know that there's a lot that I didn't do. So maybe someday, maybe they'll do a, an even uh, a, a less a less janky director's hmm. cut at some point. Anyway, that's by the by. Uh, now here's a rather more obscure number still from uh, from Paddy. Thank you. Uh, right, my second pick uh, is coming from a personal favourite franchise of my own uh, that, for me, came out of absolutely nowhere. I didn't expect to enjoy it or love it as much as I did. Uh, Games spawned a sequel and a spin-off anime, and then it vanished off the face of the earth. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, the series I'm speaking about is called Gungrave, uh, a PS2 action series where you play a character who is known as Beyond the Grave, who is basically an undead cowboy who wields big, big guns and a weapon-loaded coffin strapped onto his back. Um, yes. There is a lot more to it than that, uh, but you should be able to find the uh, PS2 game quite cheap online, and the sequel, Gungrave Overdose, uh, is actually on the PSN in the PS2 Classics section. Um, the soundtracks, yeah, it's it's wow. it's a sick game, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um, the soundtracks for the games, uh, and the anime as well, were composed by Sunio Imahori. Uh, mm-hmm. He has many anime soundtracks to his name, uh, and has even contributed some tracks to Cowboy Bebop. A good bit of uh, info there. Yeah. Uh, the track I have chosen comes from Gungrave Overdose, the sequel, uh, and is a track called Hit the Jackpot. Uh, and it shows up in both Gungrave Overdose and in the anime. Uh, they shared quite a lot of the soundtrack, and it was developed for both the second game and the anime together. So you do hear a lot of the same, the same bits of the score in each game as you play back and forward, which is yeah, quite nice to say, sure. oh, I know that song. Ah, authentic. Exactly, yeah. authentic. Um, the game was first released in March 2004 in Japan, uh, September 2004 in the US, and a painful year later in October 2005. Yeah. <laughs> that was a hard year for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, uh, I wasn't really into the whole importing thing. Uh, uh. But we did get the anime, and I got a little taste of it before. Uh, hit the chatbot. Uh, it's got one of those life-affirming guitar parts uh, that makes you happy when you hear it. Uh, it's very much a summer day, uh, take the car down to the beach, wind the windows down, wind in the hair sort of songs. Uh, mm. And, well, many a dull bit of housework has been brightened up when I've put this on. <laughs>
bright and breezy stuff, and we always have to have a bit of uh, a bit of obscure Japanese insanity. Well, we don't always, but but sometimes it happens, and it's a nice thing when it does. <laughs> right, our next pick is once again from the forum. Uh, this is both old and new. Sean S. Thomas says, I don't think many things have ever given me as much pleasure as hearing this electric jazz rendition of the original F-Zero theme blasting out of my TV whilst hurtling around a track barely able to control my upside-down cart. What a game from a developer who values music almost as highly as they value their gameplay. So, as you may have guessed, this is uh, Mute City, but this is not the 1992 version or any of the uh, other umpteen versions there have been on Smash Brothers games and F-Zero sequels over the years this is the brand new uh mario kart 8 band version um of yumiko kanki's uh mute city original from f-zero and um yeah we've often mentioned how little saxophone there is in in gaming soundtracks well this this all by itself redresses that balance somewhat
looks like we've got another dose of uh, Japanese insanity coming up. And uh, this is from a game that we'll be covering in the uh, podcast soon, coming up imminently. God Hand. Ooh. Indeed. Um, I, yeah, now, I once said, and I'm, it might have been one of the earliest sound applies, or it might have actually been on the Kane and Rents, uh, podcast, I can't remember, but we once talked about the kind of music we were, it was probably this, but we, we mentioned about the music we wanted playing at our funeral. Oh, and yeah, I yeah. said that <laughs> I wanted the, the Magic Roundabout theme. Yeah. That has since changed. I now decided <laughs> that I want the God Hand theme by Masafumi <laughs> Takada to play out as the coffin wheels in, because quite honestly, I think this should be the soundtrack to everything. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's like... In preparation, because I noticed the God Hand uh, show was was down, I, I was going through some soundtrack, looking for soundtracks the other the other week, and I came across this one. And I I don't know why. I mean, I have actually tried the game. My friend Tom came round once and and showed it us. And yeah, it's it's you know it is insane. But the soundtrack it never stood out to me. The theme tune never stood out to me until I listened to it the other day, and it was just like, oh, this is. This is amazing, <laughs> and there's three versions of it. You've got um, there's like an uh, you've got the Japanese version, which is the one is my favourite without a doubt, and you've got the English language version. And the reason I don't care for that one so much is because you realise just how crazy the lyrics are, yeah. and it doesn't quite work for whatever reason. And I think, I mean, obviously, if you understand Japanese, it's probably just the same in a way. Well, it could be like, isn't just the same, is it? Because there's, no, no, no. there's probably translation issues and obviously yeah. trying to get it to scan and stuff. So it might be slightly less yeah. ridiculous originally. <laughs> but Maybe but you can hear that some of, some of the, the lines in Japanese are actually sung in English or that you can hear them. You, can, you know what they are. You know, you can, you can recognise them, uh, I guess, because there aren't any Japanese words to, to fit. But there's an instrumental version, which is kind of interesting, because it uses what sounds like a xylophone in replace of the, uh, the singer. So it's got this <laughs> weird kind of, <laughs> this weird xylophone track going over the top of it, where you would have the person singing the lines, which is kind of strange into itself. But, um, and there's a lot of really great tracks, and we'll probably have more of them in future shows. But this theme tune is just awesome. I, I, I mean, I honestly think if Labour had used this in their party political broadcast, <laughs> <laughs> they might have won the election, <laughs> but they didn't. So it's like, there you go, lesson learned. But <laughs> what happens? Anyway, you know, enough, enough jibber jabber. <laughs> Oh, you 
Masafumi Takada is not a name I am. I must admit, I'm uh, extremely familiar with. But looking at uh, his uh, his oeuvre, his yeah. list of work, there's some there's some um, you know it's a lot of core hardcore Japanese gaming in there. Some going back to Steel Battalion, and um, you've got Earth Defense Force games. Um, more recently, Danganronpa, um, No More Heroes as well, um, and also The Evil Within recently. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a pretty extensive list he's got. If you look at his like Wikipedia, it's like amazing. Like there's just yeah, so much stuff he's done. But yeah, yeah, over twenty years too. Yeah, um, I just confused myself because looking at my next pick, uh, I was thinking it was from Space Station Silicon Valley, but I can't remember any of the music from that. So uh, it's not. It's it's Space Valley, but it's from uh, Kirby's Dream Course, or uh, also known as Kirby's Team Shot. Uh, but I always want to call it Kirby's Tea Shop. Um, yeah, that's a long story as well. I used to play this game, um, and I still do occasionally with with my friend Pete. Um, this has been a, a sort of multiplayer favourite of ours since it first came out in PAL land um, in the mid-90s, so that's frighteningly enough. You know, it's 20 years ago now. Um, it's a yeah, it's a turn-based um, crazy golf game, but where Kirby is the ball. Um, and uh, I'm sure some people will, will know it. Um, you can get it on the Wii U Virtual Console. If you had it previously on the Wii Virtual Console, you can upgrade uh, your your version um, for a, for a quid. Um, and it's a it, it's effectively a kind of surreal physics puzzle game um, with with golfing overtones. Uh, I can't recommend it highly enough, especially in multiplayer. Um, it's also got the most adorable twee soundtrack as as have many of the kirby games um and for some reason this one uh, there are many tracks that i could have picked they all take me right back um nostalgia overload to happy simple times playing surreal kirby golf on the snes um but here are kazu ando's uh, space valley is the one that just i just felt i had to share 
shared. Got that out of my system. And, uh, yeah. Can't get the image Tw- of Kirby being smattered around by a golf club now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's no actual club. That's the thing. It would be nice if there was in a way. But you do – there's a power bar and, and you you know, you charge it up in the traditional um, – the golf way that's been in golf games since the mid-'80s, mm-hmm. you know, a, a power bar. Um and he kind of he kind of uh, sort of like stores up his power and then just sort of gets smacked forward by some invisible force when you when you hit the power button. Um, you can also chip him up in the air and apply spin. Um, there are various you know hazards around the courses, but also this being a Kirby game, some of the enemies that you bump into will give you uh, special abilities which you can then activate while Kirby is still on the move, so to speak. Um, some of the courses have nice friendly bouncy barriers around the edge which keep Kirby. Uh, on the island so to speak but plenty of them especially as you get later in the game this being being a nintendo game it gets really 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 hard um and you're playing these most ridiculous outrageous sort of um you know multiple chain shots trying to work out how best to to get kirby in into his little hole um in in the fewest strokes possible uh yeah it's it's a it's a really great game that i'm pro- sure lots of people will, will have given a, a wide berth but um but it's a favorite of mine <laughs> now uh something else uh both old and new uh to close the show from paddy now we'll um we'll go into the track um after we've said our goodbyes but tell us about why you've picked it uh yeah okay uh my final choice is uh it's an end credit song uh to finish at, at a proper ending you know thought mm. we'd do it properly. Uh, it's yeah, con- we should do that more often. I'm yeah. glad somebody's thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> on the button, Liam, on the button. Uh, yeah. It's from a composer whose works appeared appear uh, on Sound of Play before, uh, Jake Kaufman, uh, who's rapidly becoming one of the best composers working on games today. Um, his stunning Shovel Knight, uh, Mighty Switch Force soundtracks are already well-loved by many. Uh, but the game yeah. I'm picking uh, is Double Dragon Neon. Uh, mm. which was the reboot uh, slash reimagining of uh, the classic Double Dragon series, uh, but with a sort of slick veneer of the 1980s draped all over it. Uh, very much so. Very much so. Uh, released in 2012 uh, for free on PlayStation Plus, I think, which was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, yeah. It's, it's, it was perfect and it was free. I mean, who can argue? Uh, it featured the classic franchise uh, with the two bad dudes, Billy Lee and Jimmy Lee, uh, with their names finally fixed. Um, <laughs> yeah. trying once again to rescue Marion, uh, this time from the evil super-skeleton Skullmageddon. Uh, the entire soundtrack is delightful. It's got hints of pretty much every genre of music from the 80s sort of layered over it. Uh, it bounces around here and there from sort of proper sort of bouncy bubble pop. Uh, there's a bit of thrash in there. There's some sort of hip-hop mixed in the middle of it. It's a real sort of mixed bag of a, of a soundtrack. Uh, and the track I have chosen is the end credits theme uh, called Dare to Dream. Uh, okay, so to set up where we are for this song to kick in, uh, mm. Billy and Jimmy, they've, they've chased Skullmageddon down, uh, only for him to escape through a portal, and he dares you to follow, which Billy replies with, I double dragon dare, which was fantastic. Um, yes. Billy and Jimmy, yep, yeah, they, they decide to high-five through the portal uh, to the moon and becoming robots on the way. As you do. Um, They proceed to finally lay the smack down on Skullmageddon uh, with the final blow knocking him off into space. Uh, What follows is a karaoke rock opera finale uh, with poor old Skullmageddon reeling off his sad, sad story as he falls. Uh, There's a wonderful line in the middle uh, where he sings the line, Here's a medal for your victory. 
And when you're playing it for the first time, uh, you will get either the trophy or achievement uh, for beating it ping up at the exact moment. Perfectly That's cool. It's, I actually stood up and I clapped at my television. <laughs> it was, Does it even work? Because I always find that PS3 trophies uh, are quite, there's quite a lag normally before they pop. They do. So did they even manage to sync that? Yeah, they must have lined it up a few seconds earlier because it, it does, well, for me anyway, it binged. It was yeah. perfect. Uh, Fantastic. Right in time of the music. It was, it was, like I say, I got up and I actually, actually clapped. Um, Brilliant. It's full of tempo changes. The song backs bounces up and down. There's backing singles all over the shop. Uh, a couple of sweet guitar licks, and we learn that Skarmageddon's big evil plan was all just in aid, just in aid of getting a date. The poor guy. I'd just like to say, as somebody who spent most of the uh, the late eighties uh, completing Double Dragon uh, on one credit by abusing the elbow smash um, in, in in the arcades, Skarmageddon is not canon. <laughs> Skullmageddon is not is not the bad guy in the original game, but he's so humorous. <laughs> it's a lovely pick. Um, yes, so uh, listeners, pray tell before we play you out. Uh, as you've heard once again, it's not just about what we and our guests like. So please do continue to venture over to our forum at canorince.com where you can request your favourites or other quirky oddities, whatever you like that you think we should share, and we'll continue to include a selection uh, in each and every sound of play. Uh, until next time, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Jay. And Paddy, where can people find you as you are? This is your first uh, ever Sound of Play appearance. It is uh, my first Kane and Rince style appearance as well. I'm very excited. I'm very happy to be Remiss. invited. <laughs> Remiss. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, if you want to listen to me more, uh, you may have heard my pal CJ on the show before, uh, who was on a couple of Sound of Plays ago, and on your excellent Dragon's Dogma podcast. Uh, between us, we do the Twin Humanities uh, show, which is basically started life as a Dark Souls show and has since become uh, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne or the Miyazaki games uh, all combined. Uh, we also do another show called Oh the Humanities where we discuss games that aren't Dark Souls uh, but then again we do talk about Dark Souls in that one as well so we're not really doing that one properly. Uh, we also <laughs> <laughs> we also do a small side show uh, called Twin Destiny which we did for a while while Destiny was out uh, which is we've kind of let fall to the wayside a bit. Uh, Jay actually came on. <laughs> yeah. Destiny. <laughs> yeah, you were actually on the last episode, and you remember how long ago that was. Uh, the best way to find us uh, on Twitter, which is at Twin Humanities, uh, you will find everything about the show there. Or if you want to say hello to me, I am at Paddy Stardust. Once again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for an excellent selection, and uh, we'll leave you all with "Dead to Dream" by Jake Kaufman. Mm-hmm.